I'm glad today that as a child of God, nothing can separate me from his love. I'm glad that when he saved me, he secured me. My Bible tells me that not even death can separate me from the love of God. So I pray that is a peace and a comfort to you today. And uh, I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 this morning. We're going to read one verse of Scripture, then we're going to springboard off into the thought that I believe God would have for us this morning. We'll be in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. And I'll ask you when you find your place, if you wouldn't mind standing to the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word today. Thank you. You may be seated. If you have studied in your Bible any time at all, or if you have been in church any time at all, you realize today that Genesis chapter 3 is a very pivotal and a very important chapter in the Bible that you hold in your hand. I'm going to bring you up to speed exactly where we are here in chapter 3. You know that God created all things. He walked out on nothing and created everything. And then throughout the first two chapters of Genesis, you'll find all of his creations, and he created Adam and Eve. And he gave Adam and Eve one commandment. He said, you can touch and partake of the fruit of any of the trees in the Garden of Eden, except for one. Do not touch and do not partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, you'll find that Satan comes along as a serpent, and he begins to tempt Eve to partake of that fruit of that tree that God said, don't touch. You'll find in Genesis 3 and verse 7 that the Bible says that the fruit was appeasing to her eyes. And she reached out and she touched it. She partake of it. And then she took it to her husband. And he did partake of it as well. And there you find sin has entered into the world. And due to that sin, you'll find in the following verses that the serpent, Adam, and Eve were all cursed. And due to that curse, we, all who would be born of a woman, would fall under that curse of sin for mankind. And that catches us up, really, in Genesis 3 to Genesis 3, 21. Now today, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to highlight the people that you'll find in this verse and I want to convey to you the thoughts that God would have for us today. The first thing I want to talk about today is you find in this verse it says the Lord God. So let's talk about God for just a minute. As I've already mentioned, God who walked out on nothing and created everything. I open up my right hand today, I have nothing in my right hand. Absolutely nothing. And I can create nothing. 
in my man-made ability, I cannot do it. But this God that you find in Genesis 1-1, he created all things and he spoke them into existence, showing his power that he had. Now, in Genesis 1-1, you'll find that it says God created. As I studied upon that word, the word used for God there is Elohim. And what Elohim means is it's the creator God. The God that is three in one, it speaks of his deity and of the Holy Trinity, all being present there in creation. That is the word that they use for God there in Genesis 1. But now as you get to Genesis 3 and verse 21, you'll find that it says the Lord God. And as I was doing my study, I realized there's an importance. It's the reason the name change of God in this passage. So when I looked up what the Lord God meant, that is Jehovah Elohim. And here's what this means. It means he is a self-existent God that continues to reveal himself. I really like what Dr. Tony Evans had to say. He said, that means he's a relational God. Now, you will find that the terminology, the Lord God, is used in Genesis chapter 2 and in verse 4 till we are here. Prior to that, it always said God created. God created all the way through Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. So here's what happened. God became relational with his creation. He decided to have a relationship with Adam and with Eve. And when he's here in this passage, Adam and Eve are not looking at the creator God. They are looking at their relational, self-existing, revealing himself to them God. I like the name that is used because it shows that God was not just going to do another creation because this one failed. Oh, no, no, no. He said, I'm a relational God. And I cherish relationships, so I'm going to come up with a remedy so that this relationship can can continue forward. The Lord God. Now, when you think about this name, I want you to think about this. Aren't you glad that we serve such a relational God today. A God who is holy, perfect, and true would come down and have a relationship with us sinful people. That's what he's showing to Adam and Eve in this passage. Not only do I see the Lord God, and we'll come back to him here in a little bit, but I see Adam and Eve. Now, we know about Adam and Eve. They were created by God, but they were set apart in their creation. My Bible tells me that man was created in the image of God. And that puts him distinctly apart from any other creation that God did. I want to tell you today, we as mankind, we were created in the image of God. It wasn't the hippo, it wasn't the rhino. Run the great whale. And for evolutionists, it wasn't even a monkey. We, as mankind, were set apart with our creation, created in the image of God. We have special ties to God 
in that way. But, like I've already said, they were created in the image of God and they were given commandments. And as you already know, they disobeyed God's commandment. And they failed. And then they tried to fix their situation in their own little way. The Bible tells us this. That when Adam and Eve both partake of that fruit and their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. And so they went and came up with a man-made, good work, best they could do on their own intellect remedy for their situation. They went and sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And they hid from the Lord God. My Bible tells me this, that when God began to walk through the garden, he said, Adam, where art thou? Now, I want a side note, okay? We'll come back to the message in just a minute. God knew exactly where Adam was. Don't you think for a minute he didn't. But our God portrays to us in Genesis chapter 3 that he is a God of confession. He knows where you're at. And he knew where Adam was. But he wanted Adam to say where Adam was. And he wants you to say where you are. He's a God of confession. And that confession helps build that relationship. He wants to hear it from your mouth, even though he already knows exactly where you are. And you find these fig leaves sewed together. Man's best effort to fix the mess that they were in. Did it cover up their nakedness? Sure. Was it God's remedy? No way. Wasn't God's plan? And so that brings us to the third person in this passage, sometimes severely overlooked. There's an animal in this passage. My Bible tells me that the Lord God provided coats of skins for Adam and Eve. Now, some theologians love to stretch this out, and they really like to go a long way with it. Okay? The Bible is clear in our understanding that coats of skins would mean that an animal would have to give up its skin. A lot of theologians like to really stretch it and say, oh, I believe it was a lamb that did. That's a nice thought. I like that thought. The Bible's just not clear on it. So we say today that God took an animal to provide coats of skins for Adam and Eve. Three things about this animal I want you to know today. This animal was God's best. Let me take you back through creation. Every time that God would go through a day of creation and he would complete it, he would say, it was good. Now, we use that word good a lot today. Hey, brother, you having a, how's your day going? Right, going pretty good. How's work going? That's right, going pretty good. How's the ball team doing? Ah, right, they good. Everything's good. We, we use that word probably about 50 times a day. And we severely overuse it. But let me take you to the context of Scripture and what this word good means in your Bible. When God said it was good, it means best. Best. So when God went through those days of creation, 
And he said, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. And I want to tell you today, once you have the best, you can't get no better. You husbands say amen. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) It was God's best. Not only this, but it was also innocent. Now, I want to tell you this today. My Bible, nowhere in it does it tell me that this animal that was going to give its coat of skin for the covering of Adam and Eve, nowhere does it tell me that that animal had any part in the fall of mankind. I don't read anywhere that the animal took the fruit from the tree, (laughs) aided them in any way. This animal was completely innocent in the fall of mankind. But this animal had to die. You see, when you take the skin off of that animal, you're going to have to kill it. Something innocent had to die for the ungodly. As I was in my study, I couldn't help but but think about one of my favorite preachers kind of hitting on that point of the innocent for the ungodly. Brother Barry Spears is a preacher that I love to listen to. Brother Barry's got a powerful testimony. Um, He was in a bad motorcycle gang, and he got out, and God saved him, and now he's preaching the gospel and living for the Lord. But he was sharing part of his testimony one night, and uh, when he was in that motorcycle gang living as worldly as can be, he was bad into drugs. And he said he was on his motorcycle, and he not only was he a partaker in the drugs, but he also sold it and supplied it. And so he had narcotics just taped to his legs and around his waist as he's riding his motorcycle. And he said he was going 100 miles an hour down down the road, and a state trooper turned the lights on, come up behind him. And he said, now I'm lost. He said, but I knew this is it. He said, I knew he was going to tell me to get off my motorcycle and I was going to have to do a field sobriety test and I knew I'd fail it. He'd find all these narcotics on me and I'd go to jail probably the rest of my life. He said, that officer came up with his partner and he said, I need to see your license and your registration. Brother Barry handed him his license and registration And he said, the moment that officer looked at my license and registration, the tones went off, and something bad had happened. And that officer looked at his partner, and he said, you hear that? That's in our area. We got to go. We got to go right now. That officer looked at Barry Spears, handed him his license and registration back. He said, Mr. Spears, I'd advise you to slow down and have a good night. We got to go. And away they went. And Barry Spears, by his own testimony, he said he sat there on that motorcycle as a lost man. And he said, the innocent, something had to happen to the innocent for the ungodly. Something bad had to happen to somebody else so I could go free. He said, that stuck with him. May I tell you, that's exactly what happened with this animal. It was innocent. But it had to lose its life for the ungodly, for the sinful. I want to parallel this this morning with the New Testament. My Bible tells me in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, showing that Jesus is eternal. He was present there in creation. 
And he always will be because he is a, an eternal being. But not only this, my Bible tells me in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God would provide. Now, why would God have to provide? Why would he have to give? Well, because what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you today still believe all means all? That means me. That means you. It means the best person that you know. They all have fallen short of the glory of God. We can't sow enough fig leaves together to get our way to heaven. We can't cover up our mess. There has to be a remedy. You be around children long enough, you'll find that we all have a sin nature. I got a precious little girl. Now, she don't want nothing to do with me right now, but that'll change. <laughs> but she's going to be two in April. And she's in a stage right now where if she doesn't get what she wants, we call it a good old-fashioned temper tantrum. But I want to tell you this, church, I didn't have to send her to a how-to class. <laughs> she didn't have to read a book. She didn't even have to watch anybody else do it. It come natural out of that sin nature. My oldest one, we've had problems with him with lying. If he told you it was raining, you better look out the window. <laughs> Where, nobody taught him how to lie. Just came natural. And I ain't, I ain't going to go without picking on that middle one. He's as stubborn as the day is long. He'd argue with a chainsaw and it running. <laughs> stubborn as all get out. Nobody taught him how to do that. What is that? Well, that's just in nature. It just comes out. So if you ever think you don't have a sin nature, just go hang around kids. Sign up for children's ministry. Amen? <laughs> You'll find out just how sinful we all are. But the Bible tells us this about our good works. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast about it, for it is a gift of God. I want to tell you this today, church. If you came in here today with your fig leaves on, it ain't going to work. You can try to cover up. You can try to fix what's going on in your life. You can try your own remedies. You can try your own way. But you're going to fall short. It's not going to fully cover it up. It's not going to be the remedy that God has. God's got a better remedy for you. You say, well, preacher, what's that? Well, I think Jesus said it best in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What I love about this passage is it says that God clothed Adam and Eve. It didn't say Adam and Eve clothed themselves with those animal skins. God clothed them. Here's the picture. When you come to Jesus, 
He takes his righteousness. And he comes down to where you're at. And he puts it on you. You don't dress yourself. He dresses you. And so when he looks at you. He doesn't see your mess. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your shortcomings and your flaws. He sees his son. That gave his life freely for you. And his blood pays the ransom. For your life. That's what God sees. As we go into a time of invitation here in just a moment. I want to encourage anybody in this building today. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now notice what I just said. I said accept the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. I didn't ask you if you come to church. I didn't ask you if you go to Sunday school. I didn't ask you if you've even been baptized. Has there been a time in your life that you can go back to in your memory that the Holy Ghost convicted your heart and you prayed and you asked Jesus into your heart and to forgive you of your sins, to give you a new life in him and to surrender your life to him? That's what I'm asking you today. If not, I couldn't think of a better time. Because you're in here in your fig leaves today. But God's got a remedy for you. I look around and I see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of familiar testimonies today. And I see many people who said, hey preacher, I'm blood bought redeemed. Well, can I challenge you with this today? Who do you know that's not? Who in your life do you know that by their own testimony, if they were to take their last breath right now, right now, they wouldn't go to heaven. But they'd go to a place called hell. Not created for them. But they'd go there by choice. By choice. Do you love them enough to come up here and pray for them one more time? that God would send somebody their way one more time to tell them the good news of the gospel. If it's not you to come tell them, that somebody would come and tell them about the good news of the gospel. My third challenge is this. Maybe God has just swelled up in your heart so much today that you just want to come down here and say thank you. Thank you for giving your life for me. That free gift that I so didn't deserve. And you made a way that I could accept you and now I get to go to heaven when I die not because of anything I've done but because of everything you've done. Maybe you just want to come say thank you today. Brother Robbie's going to play. This altar is open. You be obedient. Be obedient to what God tells you to do today. <laughs>